Well, I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, did everybody have a good meal or meal? Um, I, uh, you know, everybody sees these online, but I just found three Thanksgiving memes that I thought were pretty funny. I, I, I thought I'd show them to you. Here, here's the first one. This is how I feel after Thanksgiving. So nice, nice fill, fulfilled cat there. Uh, the next one, uh, something's up. The farmer just unfriended me on Facebook. So uh, something like 44 million turkeys met their doom this week. So we're, we're sad for those turkeys, but happy for us. Um, the next, next one, I came in like a butterball. Anyway, I thought that was funny. I don't know why, but I thought that was, I thought that was a good one. Um, anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, we're, we're so just, just thankful this week about what God has done in our lives. And uh, we are blessed, aren't we? I mean, God is good. God is faithful. And even in the midst of challenging times or hard times that you might be going through, it's good to know that God is just so, is so uh, blessed such a blessing to us. Uh, we are in our last message in this Living Beyond series, and I'm going to read from the scripture today from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. So listen to these words. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Today, we're going to try to understand what happens, the lasting joy that accompanies uh, this, this generosity. Instead of guarded generosity, having this kind of open-hearted, open-handed generosity, and uh, we're going to talk about the day. And I really think that generosity blesses three groups of people, and here's the first one. I've learned over the years that generosity it just brings joy to other people, doesn't it? I mean, it's pretty simple to understand, but when you give that anonymous gift, or you buy a meal for that young couple, or you send an unexpected check to your adult children, it brings joy to them. Your generosity puts a smile on their face because they know that you care for them. Their heart is warm. Because generosity is an expression of a care for somebody else. It's a moment where you are thinking of them and not of yourself. Uh, Solomon said in Proverbs, a generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. And friends, this church is filled with generous people, and we need to be generous people. We need, we need uh, together as a church to join together in generosity, and our generosity offers so many uh, positive things. Here at the church, when you are generous here at the church, we've, we've learned that it provides ministry. Uh, we have uh, three of our full-time staff. We have uh, four part-time staff that offer ministry to people. Uh, we support Stadia Church Planting that is planting literally uh, dozens of churches in America and around the world each year. We support Lifeline Christian Mission and in particular the work in El Salvador. And would you pray for Hannah and I because Tuesday this week we are flying to El Salvador together and we're going to be with a group of people and, uh, and working to bring encouragement to leaders down there and training for leaders. And uh, also Hannah is going to be signing up children for child sponsorship. And when I come back, I'll miss next weekend, but when I come back the weekend after, I'll look forward to sharing with you some, uh, some of what God is doing in El Salvador and how our church is partnering with them. But friends, aren't you glad that the church is here? Uh, just a couple weeks ago, we did a God I'm thankful for on our birthday, and I thought it would be fun to read some of the God I'm thankful for's. There were a lot of them. I picked 14 of them, all right? And uh, so here, here's what some of you all wrote. 
God, I'm thankful that you gave us courage for me to leave my job and stay home with our son. We're now pregnant with baby number two, and although we're anxious about how this will affect our finances, we know that you will provide. This is one of my favorite. One of our children wrote, I'm thankful for God, mom and dad, my brother, friends, family, unicorns, mermaids, and life. You know, so very, very happy, positive, very happy for unicorns and mermaids. This person wrote, I'm God, I'm thankful for opportunities and second chances. God, I'm thankful for hundreds and hundreds of things, but most thankful that I found a church that my husband, who's raised Jewish, looks forward to coming every Sunday. Thankful for our friends for introducing us to Axis. Big smiley face. I think, God, I'm thankful for Axis Church and the leadership and the community groups and the support and love I've received from so many people uh, there. They truly show God's love and enable me to grow in Christ. I'm thankful every day. God, I'm thankful for the genuine community of people that exist at Axis. Through the teachings and relationships, I'm able to strengthen my faith in you, Proverbs 3, 6. God, I'm thankful for your redemption. You brought this dead heart back to life and showed me true, unconditional, and unfailing love. I love this one. God, I'm thankful for God's relentless pursuit of me with a big heart. God, I'm thankful for your presence in my life. Through all my challenges, whether medical or financial, you're always there. You love me even when I'm not very lovable. No matter how many times I mess up, you never give up on me. I'm so thankful for Axis Church. The support and encouragement I've received through the, through the years proves that Axis is not just a building to come to on Sunday mornings, but it's a family. I like this one. Uh, God, I'm thankful for my new leg. I can walk with God. Popcorn, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. God, I'm thankful for the wisdom to come to you and finally be baptized. My husband being a spiritual leader for me and our family, the amazing people that you've placed in our life, and your strength to stay the course. I like this one. God, I'm thankful for not being an outsider. God, I'm thankful for the failures in my life that have been the bridge that, need, that I needed to come closer to you. And then finally, God, I'm thankful for being a, a God of second chances, being a God of grace and forgiveness, and most of all, being a God of love. I'm thankful that you have never given up on me. Thankful you've taken this life of addiction and sin and maybe new. And I'm thankful that you're a God who, who, said, who you say you are. Isn't it great to hear just the stories of God's people? I mean, there were literally card after card after card. And I could have spent all morning just reading your words about what you're thankful for. But I'm, I'm reminded about how good God is through these cards and his faithfulness to us. And I'm reminded as I hear your stories of faith and what God is doing, and I'm just so thankful for your generosity. Listen to Deuteronomy 15.10. It says, give generously to the Lord and do so without a grudging heart. Because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. Warren Wiersbe once said, an open heart cannot maintain a closed hand. And so we give, we give with thankfulness, we give with joy, because we know God is doing something great with what we have um, what we're giving. Friends, I believe that the Bible teaches us that all of us should be generous with what God has given us. And when we give to those in need, we know that God actually is, is blessing us as well. Matthew 25, 37, listen to these words. The righteous will answer him on that day. Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? 
When did you see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So friends, when you serve, when you give to the Lord, you look around at the needs of other people. What I've learned in my life is it not only blesses them and their needs, it also blesses you as well. Paul writes, God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. The word there in Greek is the word hilarious, which of course is where, the, where we get that word hilarious. It's outrageous sometimes when we give and we think, God, I don't know how you're going to provide, but he does, and it allows us to be cheerful. And when it happens, we realize how good God is and how generous he is to us. Paul says God loves generous giving, giving the world can't understand because God blesses those who have that much faith. And friends, there is a recurring theme in the Bible. For those who give, they will be trusted with more. The reward for being successful in generosity is that we are given more to be generous with and that we remember that God is the one who rewards us. I, I love the stories of kids who decided to give. Um, I read this week about Addison Williams, seven years old, asked her party guests to bring cash donations for Cooper Young. Check out this picture of the little baby. He was in a NICU uh, resident. He was born just two pounds. And instead of birthday gifts, uh, little Addison said, I would like to give my gifts this year, anything that I get, any money or what have you, let's raise it for little Cooper. And they all joined together and they gave money for that. And for her to sacrifice her presence, the dad said, to give to our son Cooper is quite a selfless act. Or I'm inspired by the six-year-old Armani Cruz, a kindergartner from Chicago who gave up her birthday to feed the homeless. And she, her mom said, okay, fine, we'll give him some sandwiches. She said, no, whatever we were going to serve me at my birthday dinner, that's what I want to give the homeless. Not only that, their church joined in and they were able to serve hundreds of homeless people the same kind of food that she would have had at her birthday party. Or five-year-old Michaela Buckingham, who had a big birthday and received all kinds of gifts, but instead of keeping her presents, Michaela wanted to give them away. She said, they are, I already have all kinds of toys. And Michaela gave her gifts to the kids with cancer at Texas Christian uh, Children's Hospital. Michaela knows her way around the 14th floor because she has cancer as well. And so she gave her birthday gifts to other cancer patients in the, on that wing. And there she is offering some of her birthday to this little girl. What I've learned is that those who are generous, it blesses others, but it also blesses, uh, it blesses those who give. God allows us to, when we give, to just allow this generosity train to keep on going. As we're inspired by these stories, when I watch them, I can't help but to think, how can we do it? Just yesterday, Elisa was like, will there be children in El Salvador that have needs? And the, the answer was obvious, yes. She was like, how much can Hannah and you pack in your suitcases? I said, I, I don't know. She said, is there a weight limit? I said, I don't know. I'll try to find out. She said, because I want to pack it with clothes for kids in El Salvador. And that is the heart, Lisa's heart, for generosity as well. Generosity brings joy to other people. Secondly, generosity brings joy to God. Generosity is in God's DNA. And when you were created, you were creating his image. God's a giving God. And so because of that, we are giving people, and God loves it when we respond with giving. John 3.16 begins, For God so loved the world that he gave. And one of my favorite texts for the concept of generosity of God is found in John 12. Jesus is at a dinner, and Mary, not his mother, but one of his followers, 
comes up to him, and she is growing in Christ-likeness. She is in the kingdom of God, and, uh, and so she wants to give. And so she decides to take this expensive perfume and anoints it all over the feet of Jesus and wipes his feet with her hair, this expensive perfume that was used to anoint him. And the Bible goes on to tell us that the perfume was of incredible value. Listen to John 12, verse 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as the keeper of the money, he used to keep for himself what was put into it. The scripture is silent regarding uh, how it was that Mary obtained this. It could have been through a gift. It could have been through a family inheritance. We don't know. But she did what was great in the sight of God as she gave joyfully and generously to the Lord so that he would be blessed. Judas instead looked at it practically and said, well, why don't you do something else with this? But what he really wanted to do was deceive others and take it for himself. Friends, the opposite of generosity is greed. Greed holds on too tightly. Generosity looks for opportunities to share. And Judas saw this as a waste. Mary saw this as a priceless expression of her love for Christ. And you know what? This banquet was thrown in honor, in Jesus' honor, because it, it was because Lazarus, Mary's brother, had been raised from the dead by Jesus. That's a pretty good reason to celebrate with joyful generosity and an expression of love. Her brother had been brought back from death to life. What a lavish expression of generosity. And friends, what I'm reminded of is that we also have been brought from death to life. How generous and lavishly we should be because the Father has given us so much. Mary knew that God came and gave his best, so she gave her best. That's why he responded in John 12, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. You will not always have me. Friends, genuine love wants what is best for the other person, and Jesus knew this would probably be the last time that she would ever be able to express in this way to him. He was blessed by her generosity. Proverbs puts it this way, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. They gave their best, their first. They trusted God, not with the leftovers. They gave the first fruits so that they could trust God with that. And then God was blessed by it. In the Old Testament, we talked about the concept of a tithe, which meant 10%. It was the first 10% of any crop or anything that came off, and it was just a way to trust God. I love the story in uh, Bob McEwen tells. Bob McEwen served in Ohio as a, as a congressman, and he tells years ago of when he took his young son to McDonald's. He said, I bought him a Coke and a large order of fries, and we went over and sat in one of those tables that's not big enough for people to sit in, and we sat there, and after a couple minutes, I reached over, and I wanted a French fry for my son, and my son put his hands around the fries and blocked them and pulled them back, and I started to reach over again, and my son instinctively put his protective shield up and said, no, no, can't have any fries, and so I said, all right, that's okay, he said. And McEwen said, as I sat there, I started thinking to myself, doesn't my son realize that I'm the one who gave him those fries in the first place? Doesn't he realize I have the strength to take those fries from him whenever I want? Doesn't he realize I could go up there to the counter and I've got enough money that I could buy enough that I could say, bury my son in French fries? Doesn't my son realize that I don't need any of his fries? I could go get my own fries. All I want him to do is share a couple of fries with him. 
and then the congressman said it, it hit him. His son was simply acting like he had been acting with God. God blesses us and sits down at the table and says, I want to sit down with you. I want to enjoy some of the blessings with you that I've given you. And yet when he sits down at our table, we selfishly gather our hands around all our stuff and say, no, 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 God, this is ours. We'll decide what we're going to give to you. And God in heaven says to himself, don't they realize that I'm the source of everything they've got? I've got the power to take whatever blessings I've given them. Don't they realize I could bury them in blessings if I wanted to? I don't need anything they have. I just want to share with them at the table. And friend, don't make the mistake of thinking that you achieve financial success on your own or ignoring the sovereignty of God. All of your things, your income, your house, your job, your boat, your savings, it all are His. And therefore, when we give, we just give in a way that shares back to God and says, thank you, God, for what you've given to us. Psalm 116, 12 says, how can I repay the Lord for all His goodness to me? Would you read that uh, with me? And I'm not sure if it's on the slide or not. There it is. Let's read it together. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? That's the verse you should memorize. Psalm 116, 12. Just go through the day. God, there is no way I can ever repay your goodness for me. And so what I would just ask you today is maybe lower the shield of protection and say, God, how can I share with you? Because generosity brings joy to others and it brings joy to God. But you know the other thing I've noticed? It brings joy to me. He, he asks us to be generous, and when we're obedient and do it cheerfully, our Heavenly Father is pleased just as a child is happy that they have been obedient in the same way we are healthy, happy when we've been generous to the Lord. I believe that the level of joy is in direct proportion to how cheerfully you give. In other words, the more you realize that God owns, and the more that we simply manage, the more you believe in the ministry of the cause that you're giving to, the more that you're giving out of a desire rather than out of coercion, the more joy you will receive. The New Testament says God loves a cheerful giver, and apparently our attitude when we give matters a whole lot to God. It matters even more than how much we give. It matters that we give out of joyfulness. And so generosity should bring joy. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2 says, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond what they were able. Entirely on their own, they have urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing this service to the saints. And they did, not as we expected, but they gave it themselves first to the Lord and then with us in keeping with God's will. Paul goes on to say in chapter 8, verse 7, But just as you excel in everything, in faith and in speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The Macedonian believers gave, and they gave joyfully, and they gave cheerfully, and God rewarded and blessed them. In his book, Secrets of the Generous Life, Gordon MacDonald writes, What a contrast the Corinthians were to the Macedonians. The Macedonians suffered persecution, the Corinthians did not. The Macedonians were poor, the Corinthians were relatively speaking rich. The Macedonians were young in the faith, probably lacked sophisticated leadership, the Corinthians heard the best preachers and thinkers. In almost every way, the two communities could not differ more, and perhaps that's what irritated Paul. Every piece of human logic would suggest that the Corinthians ought to have been the people known for their generosity, but instead it was the Macedonians. The Macedonian believers who had a simple faith in God that said, God, we trust you, we believe in you, and we have joy for you. And Jesus taught that there is intrinsic value 
in being generous. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the, the Lord Jesus himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And here's what he said in Matthew 6. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who has done in, in secret, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Friends, I'm convinced that generosity blesses others, it blesses God, and it blesses us as well. It blesses the giver. Corey Ten Boom once said, I've learned to hold on to my possessions lightly because it hurts when God has to pry my fingers open. Friends, plenty of times I've heard people come to the end of their life and say, you know what, I just didn't give enough. But I've never heard people say, I gave too much. Why? Because there's something about end-of-life moments that remind us what's really important in this life. There's something about end-of-life moments that tell us that what really matters in this life is our faith in God, our love for those that we care about, our family and friends, and our ability to live in this faith that we have and share that faith with other people. All the other pursuits, while maybe valuable, while maybe uh, bring happiness in this life, all the other pursuits, being the best in the, of the best in our career, the best of the best in our sport, or the best, the most time that we spend in our workplace, or or the best car, or the best house. Regardless what it is, when you come to the end of your life, you look back and say, you know what? I wish I'd spent more time with people, more time loving God, and more time sharing my faith with others so that other people would go to heaven. I guarantee at the end of your life, those will be the three things that you'll want more than anything else. So friends, you know what God wants more than anything else? He wants you. He wants your heart. Because out of your heart comes generosity. Out of your heart comes life. Out of your heart comes this desire that God has to say, I want all of you, just like we sang earlier. And what I would say to all of you guys today is that generosity starts with God. And then we respond by saying, God, I want to turn my life over to you. I want you in my life, Jesus. So today we're going to offer an invitation. And if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, we want you to do that today. Believe that he died for you, that he rose again. Simple as that. Say, God, I believe in you. Confess that belief to other people. We'll ask you to repeat a good confession that Peter made. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's my Lord and my Savior. Repent of your sins like Josh talked about earlier. Repent and say, God, even if I did some good things in life, I've got some things that have been disappointing to me things that I know that weren't right, things that I know that were um, things I shouldn't have done. And so really there comes a contrite attitude when you come to Christ. It's this attitude of, God, I can't do it on my own. I can't lead this on my own. I can't fix myself on my own. And so you repent and then be baptized. Say, God, I want to be buried. I want that to represent my death. I want it to to represent your death and then resurrection to new life. I want all my sins washed away. I want to be forgiven. I want your grace and mercy in my life more than anything else. And some of you guys today, you feel like, wow, I mean, today was a downplayed day, right? Week after Thanksgiving, there's no big band up here. Everything sort of feels pulled back today. But the message is still clear. God wants your heart first of all. And I'm just going to pray for you. There won't be a lot of fanfare today. If you want to make Christ the Lord of your life, you can do that today. Um, we're ready for that. We're ready for you to accept Christ as your Savior, to repent, 
to believe in him and confess that belief to others. We're ready for you to be baptized. The question is, are you ready to make that commitment to Christ? God, we love you. We thank you today for your generosity to us. Lord, we're generous because you're generous. You have a heart of generosity, which just transfers right to your children. And because of that, God, you're so pleased when we are generous with others. You're so pleased when we are generous with your ministry. We're so pleased when we just give back and and we have a heart that looks to other people and their needs and says, how can I reach out to them? Instead of looking to my own interests, I look to the interests of others. But God, mostly we know what you mostly want is our heart. And so, Lord, I just pray that today in this place there will be people who make life-changing decisions. It's time for some to just simply say, I want to move from death to life. I, I maybe don't understand everything, but I understand that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so, God, for that, we just ask for a revival in people's hearts and for decisions to be made both privately and publicly, decisions that are life-changing decisions. God, I pray for that today. I pray that your spirit would move in the quietness of this place today. And I pray, God, that we would we would be able to not be distracted today, God, but we'd focus solely on you. And Lord, I ask again, if there's somebody here who needs to make that commitment, they'd make it. And they wouldn't worry about what people think. They wouldn't worry about all the preparation that they feel like, oh, I don't have this right or that right. But God, they would make a decision for you. And they'd come to you faith in that. God, we love you. We thank you for, for loving us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's worship. And uh, if you have that decision to make, I'm just going to wait right down here for you. You come, let's talk, let's pray about it. And uh, I'll give you some instructions. And then we'll be ready to, to have you make that commitment to Christ today. the King of Clouds, breathe the mountain where I rise, the fountain I drank from, my soul. Let the King of Clouds be the shadow where I ransom for my
never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down and you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down and you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me I need to just say something before we close today, um, and that is that I've found in my life that there are barriers that people put up to God. Uh, one is an intellectual barrier, and they simply say, I don't know if I have enough belief, or I don't know if I've studied it enough, and because of that, they come to the end of their life, they've never made a commitment to Christ because they have an intellectual barrier. They, they've said, they've, put, they've allowed that to be the thing. Many of those people I've found, they really don't study it. They just simply have put that barrier there. Another barrier is a barrier of pride that just says, I, I think I can do this on my own. I don't want to really admit it. I'm a man. I'm in control. Or, You know, making a decision for Christ just takes humility. It just says, God, I, I, I want to be humble enough to receive you. It's, it's a humble act to come to Christ. So some people put up a barrier of pride before the Lord, and they say, I can't do it because of that. And I've met an awful lot of people that put family heritage. Maybe they grew up in a certain way and said, well, my, my grandmother, she was sprinkled, and I can't be immersed, or they're so-and-so, and, and I had a totally different faith. And, and they allow traditions of the past to affect their decisions for the future. And I would just tell you guys, don't do that. You come to your own faith you're accountable before God in your own right. So don't let family tradition, don't let pride, and don't let that intellectual barrier be there. And I'm speaking right now, I know people in this room who absolutely need to hear this. So I'm asking you today, I'll tell you one other one, and that's the barrier that I still have, I have to be perfect. And some of you guys feel like, I'm not good enough to be baptized. I'm not good enough to come to faith in Christ. I'm telling you right now today, God didn't come for perfect people. He came for broken people. 
And so I want to pray for you today. Some of you need to be thinking about this week, this month, and today about those decisions and to say, God, I want to come to faith in you. God, I pray today that you wouldn't allow there to be any barriers today, that there would be free uh, flow of your spirit today, that we wouldn't allow pride or we wouldn't allow intellectual barriers. We wouldn't allow uh, family heritage or a tradition that keeps us away. And, and we wouldn't allow this view that somehow we have to be perfect before we ever came, come to Christ. And God, these barriers are the things that the enemy puts in our way to keep us from coming to you and being open to you and being responsive to you. And so, God, I pray that you would remove those barriers. And God, I pray that you would allow those who have put those barriers up in their past to simply say, God, I don't want those barriers anymore. I don't want to believe that there's all kinds of time. I want to, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so God, today we pray for that. We pray for individuals who need to make that decision. And God, I just pray that you would move in their hearts in a strong and powerful way. And we pray this in the blessed name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. All right.